Section 34 of The Jolly Parisiennes and Other Novelettes. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by K. Hand. My Neighbor Jacques by Emile Zola. Translated by George D. Cox. At that time I inhabited in the Rue Gracieuse the garret of my twentieth year. The Rue Gracieuse is a steep lane which descends the Butte Saint-Victor behind the Jardin des Plantes. I climbed up three stories, the houses are low in that vicinity, aiding myself with a rope in order not to slip upon the worn steps, and thus I reached my den in the most complete obscurity. The room, big and cold, had the bareness, the wan light of a cellar, I have, however, had bright sunshine in that gloom on the days when my heart rejoiced. Then there came to me childish laughter from the adjoining garret, which was peopled by an entire family, the father, the mother, and a girl between seven and eight years old. The father had an angular air, his head planted sideways between two pointed shoulders. His bony visage was yellow, with big black eyes plunged beneath thick eyebrows. This man, amid his lugubrious looks, preserved a kindly, timid smile. He was like a great baby of fifty, embarrassed, blushing like a girl. He sought the darkness, gliding along the walls with the humility of a pardoned galley-slave. A few salutations exchanged between us had made me his friend. I was pleased with that strange face, full of an uneasy good nature. Little by little we had got to shaking hands. At the expiration of six months I was still ignorant of the trade by which my neighbor Jacques and his family subsisted. He spoke but little. I had indeed, out of pure interest, questioned his wife two or three times, but had succeeded only in drawing from her evasive replies, stammered forth with embarrassment. One day, it had rained the previous evening, and my heart was sad, as I was going down the Boulevard d'Enfer, I saw, coming toward me, one of those pariahs of the working people of Paris a man clad in black with a hat of the same color and a white cravat holding under his arm the small coffin of a newborn baby he was walking with his head down bearing his light burden with a dreamy heedlessness pushing with his foot the pebbles from the sidewalk the morning was clear i felt pleased at that sadness which was passing at the sound of my footsteps the man raised his head then turned it away quickly but too late i had recognized him my neighbor jacques was an undertaker I watched him going away, ashamed of his shame. I regretted not having taken the other alley. He was going away, with his head lower still, doubtless saying to himself that he had lost the shake of the hand which we exchanged every evening. The next day I met him on the stairs. He drew himself timidly against the wall, shrinking, pulling in with humility the folds of his blouse, that the cloth might not touch my garments. He stood there with bowed forehead, and I saw his poor gray head trembling with emotion. I halted, looking him in the face. I offered him my wide-open hand. He raised his head, hesitated, looked me in the face in his turn. I saw his big eyes blink and his yellow visage grow red. Then suddenly, taking my arm, he accompanied me to my garret, where, at last, he recovered his speech. "'You are a brave young man,' he said to me. The grasp of your hand has made me forget many evil glances. And he sat down, making his confession to me. He admitted to me that, before being in the business, he had felt uneasy, like the rest, whenever he had met an undertaker. But since that time, 
during his long hours of walking amid the silence of funerals he had thought over these things he had been astonished at the disgust and fear which he aroused as he passed by i was twenty years old then i would have embraced an executioner i plunged into philosophical considerations striving to prove to my neighbor jacques that his calling was holy but he shrugged his pointed shoulders rubbed his hands in silence then resumed in his slow and embarrassed voice you see monsieur the gossip of the quarter and the unfriendly looks of the passers-by disturb me little provided that my wife and daughter have bread only one thing troubles me i cannot sleep at night when i think about it we are my wife and i old folks who no longer feel the shame of the thing but young girls are ambitious my poor martha will blush for me later on when she was five years of age she saw one of my colleagues and she wept so much she was so afraid that i have not yet dared to put on the black cloak before her i dress and undress myself on the stairs i felt pity for my neighbor jacques i offered to allow him to keep his garments in my chamber and come there to put them on at his ease sheltered from the cold he took a thousand precautions in transporting his sinister wardrobe to my abode from that day I saw him regularly morning and evening he made his toilette in a corner of my mansard I had an old chest the wood of which was crumbling bored by worms my neighbor Jacques made it his clothes press he put newspapers on the bottom of it upon which he delicately folded his black garments at times during the night when a nightmare had wakened me with a start I cast a frightened glance at the old chest which stretched out against the wall like a coffin it seemed to me that then I saw the hat, the black cloak, and the white cravat come out of it. The hat rolled around my bed, snorting and leaping with little nervous jumps. The cloak spread out, and shaking its parts like great black wings, flew about the large and silent chamber. The white cravat stretched out, then began to crawl softly towards me, its head raised, its tail wagging. Then I would open my eyes very widely, and I would see the old chest motionless and somber in its corner. I was living in a dream at that period, a dream of love and sadness also. I took pleasure in my nightmare. I loved my neighbor Jacques because he lived with the dead and brought me the biting odors of cemeteries. He had made confidential revelations to me. I was writing the opening pages of The Memoirs of an Undertaker. In the evening, my neighbor Jacques, before disrobing himself, sat down on the old chest to give me an account of what he had done that day. He loved to talk about his dead. Now it was a young girl the poor child dead of consumption was not heavy then it was an old man that old man whose coffin had strained his arms was a big official who must have carried his gold away with him in his pockets and i had private details about each corpse i knew their weight the sounds that had been heard in their coffins the way in which it had been necessary to take them downstairs at the turns of the staircases it happened on certain evenings that my neighbor jacques came home more loquacious and more expansive than usual then he would lean against the walls his cloak hooked over his shoulder his hat thrown back he had met generous heirs who had treated him to the drink and cheese of consolation and he would finish up by growing tender he would swear to me that he would bury me when the time should come with friendly gentleness i lived thus for more than a year in an atmosphere of death one morning my neighbor jacques did not make his appearance eight days afterwards he was dead when two of his colleagues took away the body i was at my door i heard them joke as they went downstairs with the coffin which gave forth a hollow sound like a complaint at each knock it received 
One of them, a short, fat fellow, said to the other, a long, slim fellow, he is going to join his customers. End of section 34